I don't want to see an ordinary film. I want to see something extraordinary. Your sacrifice completes my sanctuary of 1,000 testicles. You ever feel as if your mind had started to erode? Let's rock indeed. Welcome to 1000 Wives of Weird, a podcast that is a celebration of everything weird. And with me, unfortunately, is not Billy Martell. He is going through a lot of stuff at work. He's very busy, very stressed out. So keep him in your thoughts. Uh, Pray that capitalism will crumble and Billy can be free. But... I do have a guest. Oh my God, I'm so nervous because I've known this man for at least 10 years, but this is the first time we've ever sat down and talked. Uh, we, we've chatted a little bit, but never this in depth, even though we have a topic. Uh, he's a husband. He's a father. He's bald. He sings like an angel and fucks like a demon. It's John Town. All true, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, he, the personal experience, yeah. Oh yeah, no, um, yeah, yeah. I've obvious, heard you sing, obviously. Oh no, no, no. What <laughs> singing? What? Oh, oh, you meant the demon thing? Yeah. yeah oh no. yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's I've seen the movies that you've made in Eastern Europe, John. Um, do you do you mind if I tell people how we met? Please. Uh, yeah, you can. So it's it's no, really... let's not name names, but you can. It's the, weird, the broad outline, uh, sure. but uh, we met because in the late 2000s, we both played and wrote for a browser-based game. Of course, I'm talking about Kingdom of Loathing. I'm Jick. This is Mr. Skullhead, and welcome to the Obviously, Kingdom of Loathing. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, we, yeah, both, yeah. we do both know Bashy, so. That's, that is true. No, we worked on Forum Wars. We and totally did. It, yeah. And, uh somehow some way we still know each other today and we interact and john is always very supportive he's a wonderful guy you know i thought he was a wonderful guy and then i reached out to him to do this podcast and when i reach out to people to be on the show one uh they're like you have a podcast and i'm like yes and two i'm like uh so it's about weird movies. And one, people tend to think this is a show about bad movies, which this episode and probably the next episode, maybe. But what I want is for people to bring me something. Show me something that you want to talk about or that blows your mind or whatever. So when I, I talk to John, he goes, I'll watch whatever off-kilter movie you want, but have you ever heard of After Last Season? And I looked up after last season on Letterboxd, and I saw it had a 1.5 rating, and I was immediately intrigued. Uh, so, John, uh, what is your... How did you find this movie? What, why did you want to inflict this on me? So, years and years and years ago, I ran across an AV Club article titled, um, The Last Year at Marianne Bad of Z-Grade Bad Movies. And it was about this movie. Uh, I I have no idea when I first encountered this article. It's years old because yeah. this movie is from 2009. Mm-hmm. I just sort of filed it away in the back of my brain for you know better part of a decade until 2020 <laughs> arrived and everybody's everybody's hunkering down at home. Yes, and some of my other film nerdy friends uh, <laughs> decided to have a movie night every Saturday, and we watched all kinds of random stuff and. <laughs> 
eventually this was my contribution. Oh, uh, oh, and, so uh, a sight unseen. You just lobbed right. this. I just lobbed. I was like, guys, I think, I think it is, we are past due. Well, these were the friends who pulled me to a Neil Breen movie for the first gotcha. time. In fact, two of them now. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was Twisted, Twisted Pair and. I hope Faithful Findings. No, it wasn't Fateful Findings. Oh, Fateful Findings is magnum opus. It was the one. Uh, it was the pass one. through. Yes, it was pass through. It was pass through. Pass through the one that ends in Neil Breen advocating for genocide. Something like that. God, I yeah. It's. Um, Have you, you know, not pro- seen Fateful Findings? I haven't. One of these days, I'm going to see Fateful. Oh my Findings. God! You need to see it. I, I will. <laughs> what was the tenor in the air when you? Uh, expose this to your friends. Um, <laughs> was it anger? Really didn't know what to expect? No, it wasn't anger. I mean, no, not exactly. No. Like you know, you you inflict. It came in complete. It was also a higher quality, higher quality version. Okay. Unfortunately, yes, like was... we didn't have the opportunity to watch a terribly high quality version. No. Which is kind of a pity, but we'll get. Oh, into does that. this movie look beautiful in four K? Define beauty. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Um, Um, So we should probably explain (laughs) what this movie is. We like to briefly summarize the plot of movies before we give our recommendations and before we get into spoilers because... And let's all... Let's all let's all give Brad the very best of luck and uh, give him all the well-wishing in the world before he starts trying to summarize this movie because... This is, I've watched it twice in one week. After last season is literally the worst movie I've ever seen. I could, we are going to describe what happens in this movie, but there is no plot that matters. It is, things happen. People have phone calls where they talk about, and they have conversations about where they used to live. And this, I'm just getting so nihilistic trying to describe this movie because it literally means nothing. And like, I'm just like, yeah, kind of like life. Um, (laughs) I mean, yes, this is like, so like one of the things, one of the things that I like, one of the things that I think a lot of movies like this can illustrate is what the professional class in Hollywood brings to the table. Now they oh, don't yes. always bring it to the table, but like you start to realize like there's a lot of ways you can screw up screenwriting. Screenwriting, um, editing, directing, editing. uh sound mixture. Cinematography. Um, exactly. <laughs> Uh, it's no, I always believe that any movie you watch, no matter what it is, broadens your understanding of movies. Either it teaches you what to do right or what to do wrong. So everything, like, everything has some sort of merit. And this has the most merit of being like, don't do that. Don't do that. Like, this is not what should happen. You know, um, and you know, so before I, I was reading all kinds of articles about it, maybe you read some of them too, but like, <laughs> so the, 
would you like to fill in some of the details? Because I'm happy to Hold as on. well. Let's uh, before we get into that, and before we start to get into like the plot and the dissenting opinion of this movie, John, would you recommend After Last Season by Mark Regan to anybody? If you like Birdemic or <laughs> Neil Breen. Yes, I would give an unqualified recommendation that you should absolutely see after last season. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, and Transformers is your favorite movie, <laughs> you should probably, yes, still see this movie. Honestly, um, you, you owe it to yourself. You can, you can make notes. Yes. Um, I... You know how some people are like, oh, you got to get high and see this movie. I think if, one, you got to see after last season at least once in a group setting. I did it solo both times. Um, yeah, no, it's rough. It's rough. I've done, a <laughs> lot of, I've done a lot of rough, bad movies solo. If Neo-Rome ever rose to power and their torture was bad movies, I'd be pretty good. I've seen a talking <laughs> cat multiple times by myself. If you want to watch a bad movie by yourself because you're sad like me, get real drunk and watch after last season. Don't get high. Just get like brain dead and just be like, what the fuck? This is not what movies are. <laughs> Otherwise, well, it is literally. This is what's so fascinating about it is that it it's so bad in so many ways with so many glaring mistakes that it actually kind of sometimes transcends. We'll get into it. I want to say one last well, thing. But yes, no, this is a movie that just as an artifact you should see because it exists and it's insane and it's boring and terrible and you're going to hate every minute of it. But when you come through it, you're going to be like, holy shit. But, John, you're right. You're right about this movie. It's so bad. Like, I didn't sleep the night after I watched this. because I'm sorry. I was, no, it's okay. It's okay because, like, it's so bad and it's so inept on every level that I'm like, this doesn't pass the sniff test. Like, I can watch a Neil Breen movie and I'd be like, no, I understand why this isn't working. There are so many... Every choice in after last season is so strange. It's like, this doesn't happen by accident. And that is largely the argument that people have for this movie is that like, no, yeah, these dumb things are happening, but someone made a choice to make them happen. And so my first thoughts were like a troll, some mental illness that I cannot put my finger on. Or just, like, stupidity. And I don't know which is the best option. I'm just champing at the bit to, to fill in some of the stuff that I've read. Because I, like, I, I, dove, I dove down the rabbit hole. And let me tell you, this movie is a rabbit hole. Because, like, everybody who sees it has this reaction. Like, yes. where they're like, this feels so inept that it can't be real. Like it doesn't, yeah. so many, so many, so many good, bad movies uh, just radiate 
here are the sexual hang-ups of the director. Here are... Here's the here, narcissism. Here's, here's the narcissism. The... Here's, you know, right. After last season does not. That was it, one of the things that, like, it didn't pass the sniff test. Because, like, Neil Breen is front and center in every Neil Breen movie. Tommy Wiseau is front and center in the room. I don't know who the fuck Mark Region is. Someone who makes a lot of telephone calls, apparently. With, with really pointless conversations, with, with really awkward, stilted small talk, the kind yes. of thing when you're at a party where you know literally nobody and you're trying to <laughs> chat up one person and you can't find anything to talk about because you hate the music and you're miserable. The other thing I've seen, the common argument is that whether intentional or not, this movie, like, is so bad, it breaks down the components of filmmaking. And it's like, okay, what is film? Like, what does it take to, like... I've heard it compared to Lynch's Inland Empire. Um, do you see it at all, John? Yeah, that's, that's the crazy part. That's what's so mind-blowing about this movie, is you watch it, like, like the first time you're watching it, you're like, I have no idea what any of this means, or why this, like, why is this movie? Yes. Uh, and then, and then you get, and then you watch it a second time, and you're like, geez, like, and, and there's so many interesting details. There but are. They're not, they're not the kind of interesting details like, oh, yeah, Tommy Wiseau clearly has a boner for feet. Or, like, <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen The Room. Um, you haven't seen The Room? I don't I, mean to be that guy. Know, I'm sorry. I know. I know. I, I, I need to see The Room. I need to see The Room one of these days. It's fun. It's fun. Uh, uh, Tommy Wiseau does not have a thing for feet, but he has a – it's a whole thing. You'll see I'm it. sure it is. I'm sure it is. Yeah. But like, the, like none of that comes through in this movie. This movie is not terribly voyeuristic at all. No. Like, like, so some of the other fascinating details, there is an incredible oral history uh, that you can read on. Medium. I read that. Yes. Yeah. Where like all of the actors are SAG members, Screen Actors Guild. They this movie all... was shot. Sorry. This movie was shot on 35 millimeter. Right. It's mind blowing. It's, it's like, like so, he did. Like it's like he. It's like he had a checklist of like all the things that a real movie needs to do, and completely failed at making the movie. <laughs> that's exactly what he did because he learned filmmaking through books. Mark Region did. We'll start to get into the plot walkthrough, which is going to, which is going to sound, which is going to sound like you're having a stroke over the next hour and a half or so. But let's talk about the director, Mark Region, very quickly. This man is an enigma. Like, Tommy Wiseau, everyone's like, where's he from? What's his story? Tommy Wiseau is still front and center. He's out there. He's throwing footballs at people. Mark Region disappeared. There's very little known about him. I One thing I read said that he was a foreign man, which would explain some things. He made a short film called Medium Wavelengths before this. And uh, yeah, that's, that's what people know about Mark Region. And he's, he's dropped off the face of the earth since this movie oh, came out. Also, he's sort of like a Neil Breen type where he had this other job and he was a business manager for some company and he just 
had enough money that he was like, I'm going to make this film. He reported that the budget was what? $5 million. I know. Which is like, where did you put it? Well, he, he said the production costs like 30 to 40 K and then the rest was spent on the computer animation in the movie, which is obviously not true. This, this computer animation, which we're going to talk about later is the worst computer animation I've ever seen. And I'm including everything from the early eighties. Yeah. It's sub Tron. Like Tron looked better than this movie. We looked way better than this movie. Fucking better than a lot of movies. (laughs) To be fair, to be fair, Tron was a Disney movie. They put a lot into it, but like, I'm talking like they didn't even make a video game system based on this quality of graphics. Cause they were like, fuck it. This looks terrible. Like uh, one one article <laughs> described it as uh, something a kid could do with a MacBook opening Blender for the first time in an afternoon. Yeah, I I almost compared it to Windows Windows ninety five screensaver, but that's insulting to Windows ninety five screensavers. Like that's that maze true. was bomb, but yeah, so clearly that's a lie. And I've I found out that Mark Region might tell a lot of lies, like um. A friend of the show, Ian Kiefer, who watched this movie alongside me, uh, not with me, but I told him I was watching it and he started watching it. And he watched this YouTube video where it said that he said the director created a bunch of fake IMDb reviews. Oh, John's nodding. John's nodding, forgetting it's an audio podcast. Yeah, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> apparently, apparently he created... Uh, well, like I've only read about them. I didn't. I didn't see them. I, I didn't read them. But, um, but yeah, that apparently he sock puppeted his way up the charts on IMDb before the movie came out. Wow! Uh, but the movie and was released in four theaters. It was four theaters for one week in two thousand nine. Oh, the bare naked ladies special. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this got an actual release and. Yeah, it's he all had investors. Well, he refers to his sponsors and investors. Yes, like in, Which in, like is... he does interview. Like he did email interviews. He never did a face to face interview, as far as I can tell. Which um, is another thing where I'm like, is this even a real person? That's right. Yeah, yeah I like don't, everybody's I don't... asking these kinds of questions. But like the but like all the actors were like, yeah, he was fine. A little. It was wasn't really the traditional audition kind of structure, and I was kind of surprised that he never asked us to do multiple takes. But uh, yeah, no. I, I, do you think Mark Region is Banksy? No, no. You, I think you I don't think, think this is an exit it. through the gift shop thing where it's like. Well, so one of the biggest reactions that people had in two thousand nine was that this was a marketing gimmick. Or where the wild things are. By Spike Jones, because no one could believe this trailer was real. This is what's trippy, especially when you read that oral history. It's like, no, these are real people, real paid actors who actually work in commercials and do things like this up in New England and yeah. have and, and, and make money off of this and are looking to succeed in Hollywood or New York, etc. They frequently describe it as the strangest thing they've ever done. But, but they're uh, all, I love it. They're also like, cause they don't want to bad mouth anybody like to uh, keep them from getting jobs in the future. So they're all very optimistic and very positive. Like, yeah, it was strange, but like, I got a DVD. Um, 
So let's start trying to walk through this movie, John. We'll we'll use um, plot points jumping off for more discussion. This is an Index Square production, which is Mark Region's own company, and their logo card animation is some dull web driver torso shit, where it's just like some rectangles. Probably my and it favorite. Is so slow. Yes, when the title card for after last season, like the actual title comes up, it's like usually I like those fade-in titles. Like I'm easily amused. Like just like oh, those are letters, and it's gonna spill out the thing. This was like. What the fuck are you doing? It's been one minute. It's been one and a half minutes. Timing. Two minutes. (laughs) It's not quite that long. I think it takes like, but it takes, it's got to take at least a minute. I can't actually time it, but it takes, and, but it's on pure white. Like a field of pure white. Mm, Nothing else. There's no visual interest. Nothing else. It's like the Simpsons logo coming through and you know, you're in for a good time. The title, John, after last season, what could it possibly mean? I have no idea. Neither do it's I. Like, it has, it has, like, you, you watch the movie and, and like, nothing connects. They're, like, there's, like, things happen and then it ends. Uh, that is the way I've described some books, like, as things happen, there is no plot. This is, like, a toxic example of that, where it's like, yeah, things occur every moment on screen, but nothing, literally nothing happens. Immediately, we are confronted with a lot. Actress Casey McDougall is some kind of doctor person named Anne Plavin. And actor William York, who will come back, is Parkinson's man. They are in front of an MRI machine, which is made out of paper. It's a, it's quite a sight. It's, it's uh the MRI machine is, I love it. And like, like this is another thing where detailed in the uh, in the oral history where they're like, yeah, they were so excited about this MRI <laughs> machine, like they were so proud of themselves that they built it. Which, and like, if you find a picture of it, it's worth seeing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's something else. And so, like, when I read that, in my mind, it's like, okay, these were idiots who were proud of what they were doing. And it's not like, unless they were really playing a fucking part, unless they were going too deep, like Robert Downey Jr. and Tropic Thunder deep. uh, It's, this might just be ineptitude. I, I, it's so like that, that is so like, you know, it's very like, like Sherlock Holmes said, you know, knock down all the other possibilities and whatever you are left with has got to be the truth. Like, there is no evidence supporting anything, any theory other than just total ineptitude, yeah, which is mind-blowing. It's, it's it's upsetting. It's I, I become more and more upset with this film as it progresses. Uh, Anne, who is a doctor says that uh, Henry, uh, William's character, must remain still. Can he control his tremors? <laughs> That's a terrible thing to say to somebody. With it's Parkinson's. an awful thing to say. And I was like, you know what? I don't know much about Parkinson's. Maybe they do have some limited control over it. Oh, wait. No, they don't. Of course not. That's the disease. Here's where I noted. Then that there's a wo- tap, tap, tapping. There's the, oh. like I, I was scribbling lots of notes here. Tap, tap, tapping. And then cut to a... 
random shot of windows with the blinds drawn, and a pink wall. A minute passes, that shot of the fan, then of the door. Then the doctor asks what they thought of the MRI. Oh, that's right. I think yeah. this is when our two leads come in. But like, there's these long shots of empty space, uh, which fill yes. the movie. The movie is full of these long shots of empty space. Walls, especially just just walls, just walls. Sometimes there's a sign there, usually with not. Half a, with half a door in the frame uh, or some piece of wallpaper torn off. Or- this was mostly filmed in a warehouse, which is obvious. Sometimes they filmed in, I believe, Mark Frequently obvious. But uh, yeah, we hear a tap, tap, tapping. And all I could think of was like a Flintstones bird. Like inside the MRI, just like tapping it out of stone. That's right. Yes, it's a living. (laughs) But here's here's my favorite part of this scene. While the MRI is scanning, Casey flubs her line. Now, what we both learned from these articles is that these were done in one take. Often, often it was one take. One actress requested a do over for a scene and had to argue to get it. But yeah, mostly the Frank Sinatra rule, one and done. But she says, I'm going to take one cross-section. I'm going to take a photo of a cross-section. There's also a lot of shots of ceiling fans. Like it's a fucking David Lynch film. Is that an intentional reference? Is it like... Like... that, but that's this is this is what's so weird. You watch this movie and like these things keep happening, and it's like, is this supposed to tie in? Was this a deliberate choice? Because all other evidence suggests you have no idea what you're doing. Exactly. Like, like every shot, every shot is centered on heads. Like the head is right at the middle of the frame with these giant voids over them, <laughs> over their heads, and it's, it's mind shattering. It's like. Wait a second, but you just put this really nice composition in that's like a quarter of a window and a and a wall with a piece of paper type taped to it that like wouldn't be out of place hanging in a modern art gallery. Exactly. Like, and it's it's <laughs> that's the upsetting thing about like there's a lot of upsetting things about this movie. It's it's boring, it makes no sense, but ultimately what it is is you're like <sighs> what the fuck is this? Like movies are not accidents. They're not babies. They, uh, you have to make deliberate choices. Whatever Mark region is doing, it is intentional. And that's upsetting. Right. Ultimately, It's ultimate. It's ultimately, it is, it is, it is upsetting. After this scene, we meet our two leads. Yes. Uh, Uh, three people in lab coats enter the same room with the paper MRI, but shot from a different angle, so now we can see the ceiling fan that very much looks like someone's bedroom ceiling fan. And this is one of my favorite shitty movie tropes, is houses being used as hospitals, used expertly in fateful findings. So here's the question, is like, this is clearly the same room. Why didn't they shoot it from the same angles to conceal the ceiling fan? Like before, John. I, that's that's what I mean. Like like the movie in its entirety may like there's this mountain of evidence that Region didn't know what he was doing. Uh, cinematography, like any anybody with any familiarity f- with how to shoot 
uh, how to take pictures, cinematography, basic cinematography rules. You're like, okay, this guy is making classic newbie mistakes mm-hmm. uh, over and over and over again. And yet, and we'll get to the end yet. I we, um, we have a long way to go. I know we do. <laughs> Uh, but but uh, yeah, it's like, this is, this is, it's like, it's gotta be just a screw up where, where like for some, like, but like, this is the other thing that happens repeatedly throughout the movie is like, there's an inexplicable take an inexplicable cut where yes. like you, that like two lines of a conversation that's clearly supposed to progress happen. And then there's a cut, the light has changed. The sound has changed. <laughs> And the actors are in different positions, but it's supposed to be the same same scene. Yes, <laughs> and this happens the, all the time. <laughs> but the three people who enter are Scott Winters as Doctor John Marlin, which is a pretty dope name. As I was looking for anything I could get out of this movie, John Marlin sounds like he fucks. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Unfortunately. Scott Winters has passed on to his eternal reward. He is dead. Uh, uh, I, hope, I hope it's a good reward. I hope so. I hope so. I hope everyone who dies gets a nice reward for collecting the bounty on themselves. It really, it, you know, it really depends on how, how much you suffer in life, right? Oh, God, I hope so. The other two interns are ostensibly our main characters. They are... Peggy McClellan as Sarah Austin, and excuse me if I ever call Sarah Susan, happened in my notes a lot. And Jason Coolis as Matthew Andrews. That's correct. Yep. <laughs> as I alluded to earlier, here's the rub with this movie. I can tell you what people are talking about, and I will try to. It is largely inconsequential. I like to I I watch this movie twice because when I take notes, I want to know what I don't need to include. And if I did that with this movie, we would skip the entire first half hour. Yeah, that's right. But but then you get to the second half hour and you're like, wait a second, what if I put the first half hour back in and cut this part out? <laughs> then, you get to this, then, you get, then you get to the last half hour and you're like, well, maybe this is the important part. If there's an important part. There isn't. Spoiler There alert. isn't. <laughs> uh, so we... But Dr. John... How do you feel about Dr. John? Uh, so Dr. John actually is a great example of one of the, the screenwriting things in this movie, which is like most of, most of the writing that it needs to be naturalistic and sound like it's coming from a human is stilted and strange. But all of the writing that is about medicine or doctors or things like this <laughs> is so thorough and so clear that it sounds like it's being delivered by a college professor. Okay. Uh, and now I, I, I am not a neurologist, but most of what the doctor says, I mean, like, and I know there's obviously certain pieces of this movie where like, they're clearly fiction, but like a lot of what the doctor said re- sounds like it comes straight from a textbook. It, it actually sounds, it sounds okay. And it sounds clear. It would be, out, it wouldn't be out of place in a documentary or something. I'm going to let you in on a secret, John. Uh, I was 
And granted, I didn't sell it well, but I was making a joke about the musician, Dr. John. Oh. You know, oh, what a night. Um, Are you not familiar with Dr. John? Sometimes I don't know things. Oh, man. How unfortunate for you. I know, I know it's everything. A, it's a, it's a very, I, yeah, see? Yeah. Oh. Ask me anything. What's heaven like? Oh, man, it sucks. Oh. Yeah, Shoot. sorry. Spoiler alert. Shoot. Don't go there. Oh. But, as I was saying, nothing matters because Dr. John just talks about how long the hospital had the MRI. No, he does. He also taught like, isn't he the character who talks about neurology or is it that, is that one of the later ones? Is that one of the interns? Is that Matt? Oh man. A lot of people say a lot of vague, bland things about the brain. Um, yeah. Uh, and yeah. They're, they're, they're mostly front loaded. They're mostly early in the movie. I don't yes. remember who says what. Yeah. Because <laughs> the middle of the movie is all that powerful 3d animation. Yeah, the, the heart-stopping stuff, yeah. After uh, Dr. John Marlin talks, we cut to a dark-haired woman talking on her cellular telephone as she walks down the most unconvincing hallway I've ever seen. Lit by a single shop light. Yes, they had sometimes two lights, usually just one light. And it makes yeah. for some... Really bracing composition. Really bracing and interesting. Co- I'm not kidding. Like, no, like, it's it's a it's a symptom of total and utter ineptitude. But like, it's like it. That's a neat an, shot. <laughs> it does create an aura, and that's again one of the arguments people make for this movie is just the alienating, disconcerting aura around everything in this movie because of how insanely it's shot it's like off-putting maybe on purpose maybe not either way who knows i know the emperor has no clothes this movie sucks right Um, (laughs) but here's the thing john is hallways exist in real life you could have just shot in a real hallway Instead That's of, right. I'm sure this warehouse had a hallway in it. I'm sure. Instead of instead of throwing up a random wall or using a random wall. <laughs> and she's uh, having the most inane uh like like telephone conversation. Like she sounds like she's talking to some distant cousin that she hasn't She's giving to a detailed description of her apartment. I, yeah, I, I scribble down I scribble down all these notes like but it's all inconsequential, and it's like being like, hey, there's a drop of water in the ocean. The music and the music, uh, you, you, I don't know if you could hear them, but there's definitely quotes around it. Uh, kind of sounds like you set a baby in front of a synthesizer and just let them kind of lie, yeah. fall asleep on the keyboard. Yes, there is a... Uh, Late motif throughout the movie, and by that I mean they use the same bit of keyboard noodling throughout the entire ninety minutes, which it is sounds, like three notes. It, it it sounds like in Close Encounters when they're trying to contact the aliens, but a little <laughs> bit fancier. Like it's literally just that. But now the action's about to ramp up, John. Cut to a man in a chair. Cut to Susan and Matthew. Cut to the chairman. 
Chairman hears a noise and goes to the door and just freezes there. We cut, and, and then we cut back to Chicken the Hall. Do we? If I recall correctly. I, it's so hard to remember. This is what my notes say. <laughs> okay. She comes a little bit later because we have to go back to Dr. John Marlin, um, who's talking about a colleague who treated a patient who heard voices, but the medication stopped the voices. But another patient that didn't happen with, but one of the patients could hear the voice of a dead person, which is bizarrely key to this movie. <laughs> sort of. It is. It is. Because there's going to be a dead person talking at the this, end of this movie. This comes full circle, but like... Is the dead person really the important thing in the movie? Like, one of the things. Like, you don't know, because this movie does so many things. <laughs> this feels like, uh, again, if while I was watching, I was like, this feels like undiagnosed mental illness. Like, it's not schizophrenia, but it's something where things are not connecting. And I just got this idea of Colonel Kurtz like Marlon Brando and his Cambodian Moo coming before the Senate and being like, I made a movie that'll explain horror to you. And then it's just <laughs> after last season and they're like, <laughs> Oh, okay. You're a crazy now I understand. Person. Yeah. Like, like the notes that I scribbled, like from this section, uh, right. Like, I described the guy that 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 is called as blue shirt guy. Yes, uh, I wrote he is, blue shirt. He is, blue he shirt decided guy to meets m- the empty hall. <laughs> it's it's a small detail in this film. One, this dude has a dope belt. Yeah, <laughs> you notice the Union Jack belt. Uh, I did two, not notice the Union Jack belt. He but has we a nice do belt. see the Union Jack belt very clearly because isn't there a shot where it's like just oh, his yeah. waist? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he yeah. stands up and like like he's been sitting in a chair, he stands up and the camera stays right there at waist level. <laughs> and That's... so you're right on his midsection, his fully clothed midsection with white walls. <laughs> See, this is weird to you, John, because you're approaching it from the male gaze. This is something for the ladies. Ladies like the waist. Ladies like... That's uh... right. Yeah, I, th- I think, well, I mean, come on. You don't know me that well. True. Why do you more, think I wrote it down? <laughs> <laughs> more MRIs are compared. Uh, and we get many shots of Jason Coolis just staring blankly. At an MRI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for, this like, sounds, for like minutes. <laughs> it sounds like they were given very little direction. And the direction they were given was bizarre and be like, hey, why don't you pause for a few minutes? a few seconds before you talk. Well, and not like they would, they would ask for like emotions or motivations and things like this. And region would be like, well, why don't you walk six steps, hold your hand to your head and then look down to your left. Like he would tell them exactly the literal physical thing to do instead of like, this is how you should feel. It's like, (laughs) That sounds like undiagnosed mental illness. Not like a, a hugely troubling mental illness, but something that like maybe could improve Mark Regan's life if he got some help with. Maybe he now, did. Maybe that's why he disappeared. 
don't That's, know. We don't know. He was. Uh, here's another bizarre thing about this movie: is it got its theatrical run, and it had a very brief DVD release, and then it became impossible to find. And even if you uploaded it to like YouTube, it would get a copyright claim against it. So Mark yep. Region was like trying to keep this away from people. He wasn't trying to like disseminate and be like, see my art, see this uh, transgressive avant-garde commentary on film I made. He was like, let me hide my shame like yeah. a toddler that shit themselves behind the couch. Right. Um, and I, in some ways I actually kind of feel for him too, because like, Oh, it must suck. But like the other thing, and this is this is a theme that we're definitely going to keep coming back to is like I think you actually described it quite well because like even if he did it by accident this movie is so out there it that, is it, like that it, it, it's... that it reads like this transgressive anti-film it does like... it does and my <laughs> like I wish I could appreciate it on that level but it's still such a terrible slog, slog to go through it's a slog it's like i don't enjoy it on any level like i've seen things that i do not particularly enjoy that i'm like okay this has artistic merit not this back to the dark-haired woman on her telephone walking down the most unconvincing hallway i've ever seen she walks by chairman's open door to find he's been slain with a single red spot right around the throat classic assassination mm-hmm that's how they got Kennedy. Yep. Well, I'm pretty sure that was his entire head. That's what they wanted you to think. <laughs> but it was it was the single red spot at his throat. Yeah, yeah. no. He he died like two weeks before and they had to make a big show. <laughs> and, and, and Jackie, Jackie, Jackie O was just there hanging no, out. They, yeah. <laughs> they just, she was in on it. <laughs> They just shot three pounds of baloney from the book depository and got all over her. So, uh, so this man who we'll find out is Ed Brown has been slain. And what are we going to cut to next? Two dark haired women having a mundane conversation, which is still fucking bizarre in what looks like a storage space of a goddamn hardware store. And is one of these women the same person who found Ed Brown? I'm not sure because I'm bad with faces. I don't think so. Maybe. But one of them is roommates with Sarah, the lab coat from before. They're both students. And now we get to the point where I began to be driven insane on my first watch. Because the woman who does not live in the apartment says... Nice That's radio a, clock. Nice radio clock, exactly. Not a clock radio. Not what a normal person would say. Also, we cut to this radio clock, and it is a very cheap and old stereo with a digital timer placed in front of it. And here's, here's the fucking thing. Is after this woman says radio clock, she laughs. And the other woman laughs too. So yeah, I'm not thinking I, <laughs> it's not a fuck up by the actresses. It's no, this was planned. This was this. I'm sure this is all scripted. Oh, you think like, this was scripted? I, I thought like, I, I, 
I meant I didn't think radio clock was like a line flub. I think that was in the script and both actors oh, yeah. were like, what the fuck? This is so stupid. We're going to laugh. Like, no, I think, I think they pro- there's probably like laugh. They laugh in the, in the really? script is my suspicion. Yeah. I okay. have a feeling because like that, like, I, like that was also in my notes. Like <laughs> my grandfather, the carpenter is funny. Like, because they're talking about like, uh, yeah, my grandfather was a car- carpenter and they both laugh. And it's like, true. That's I, very true. I don't understand why that was funny. <laughs> we are glossing over a lot of the conversation because it's not going to make sense. And it's not worth talking about. But yeah, no, that's a part of the conversation they have. And just, just if you've ever been, if you've just ever been bored out of your mind and uncomfortable at a party, think about some of the conversations that you had there. And that's a pretty accurate rendition of any of the non-plot conversations in this movie. Yeah, no, I just got a most sudden of the heart- plot conversations. <laughs> what plot conversations, John? Um, <laughs> Which ones? Yeah. But uh, I just got a hard flashback to like being 19 years old at a party and doing a fucking Richard Dawson impression at a woman and her just awkwardly laughing, having no clue what the fuck I was doing. Yeah, no, it's it's horrifying like that. Now we get an exterior shot of the mysterious Pro Rollis. Pro Rollis. Pro Rollis. That sounds. Pro Rollis. Pro Rollis. Sounds like Pro-rollis. a car. That sounds like a, a it's car. It's so hard to say. It is horribly hard to say, and I don't think the one character who says it in the film says it correctly. Uh, who are the Pro the Pro Rollis Corporation? What do they do? Unknown, but more importantly, unimportant. That's right. It is never clarified in any way, shape, or form. And again, is that satire? Comment? Is this a Thomas Pynchon-esque take on corporations? No, it's not unclear. <laughs> it's not Thomas Pynchon-esque because no one has a ridiculous name, so we can count that out. <laughs> Have you read much uh, Pynchon? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Crying of Lot 49. Oh, yeah. We actually read that when we were talking about doing an ill-fated book club for Forum Wars. Yes, Um, Yeah. And that's why I have it. I still have it. (laughs) And I, like... I think that's why Ironically, like, Pynchon is actually a much better example of somebody whose sexual proclivities come out through his writing than Mark Regan. Where you learn nothing about Mark Region at all from this. Oh movie. yeah, you, you. Except that he doesn't know how to make a movie. Exactly, and like, oh man, that's another thing with Breen. Like people compare this to Breen a lot, but like, they're very. They have the you same. No Breen at the end of his movies. You, exactly. You know- Breen. Breen wants to make you think that he likes making out with fine ladies, but he is clearly very uncomfortable with making out with fine ladies. Matthew is at the Pro Rollis Corporation, and he is reading a newspaper. And by newspaper, I mean a sheet of computer paper that someone <laughs> has that someone has typed a fake news article onto, and we learn that. Uh, Ed Brown, uh, the chairman. Which we cut to. We cut to an extreme close-up. We cut oh, to yeah. this sheet of paper uh, with just, just like fourth body found at the top, and like a couple of lines. Yes. It was clearly, clearly done in word. Yes. Like, 
like blatantly done in Word, no fluff, no fruit, no nothing. It's just a few lines from Word printed onto a regular sheet of nine, eight and a half by 11 yes. computer paper. Sarah is also there, Kawinky Dink. There's many shots of walls with arrows on them. We learn that Matt and Sarah are not just graduate students in lab coats. They are also interns at the Who pro apparently role. never talked. They are grad yeah. students in the same program who apparently never talked about what they were going to do in the summer. But they do talk because Sarah has filled out a questionnaire for Matthew for a psychology experiment. Do you ship these two, John? Do you hope they fall? Uh, no. Really? Oh, no, man. no, not at all. Well, I mean, Actually, like, like I, okay, so I'm in a fan sense, totally. I could totally get that, totally get that to happen. But as in a but healthy I, relationship I like Meta-textually, meta, meta uh, structurally, I don't think anybody in this movie fucks. Like, mm. I think this, I think this movie has a very anti-fuck energy. Mm. You think like, uh... or a very unfuck energy because it's not <laughs> against it. It's like the idea hadn't even occurred to anybody involved. It's <laughs> so like, it's like, uh, Ricky Gervais's magnum opus, the invention of lying, where it's like, can we make the invention of fucking John where it's like, someone's like, you know, Hey, hey I, what, I, if, how, what makes you sure that it's, have you done your research? You don't know that doesn't exist already. What if we didn't just grow people in pods? What if, <laughs> what if I cream pod you? Yeah. Um, well, but everybody in this movie seems sure, sure, sure seems to be a pod person. They do. And it's, here's where I noted that this movie feels like a movie about what characters in a movie do when they're not on screen. It feels like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, except not interesting or funny or satirical or <laughs> metatextual or critical or anything. It's just literally what Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are doing, like just fucking jerking Hanging off, out off stage, yeah. pitching pennies, like whatever the fuck yeah. they would do. Yeah, and right. again, like, is that on purpose? Is this? And that's what's so, that's what's so mind shattering is like, it, it's so far in that direction. And like the fact that there is zero evidence that this is anything, but just incompetence. It's, like, it's <laughs> like, is it incompetence? Is it really? Are you sure? Because, it can't be. No, no loving God would allow that. <laughs> because it, because it becomes this metatextual, bizarre metatextual thing. It I ends up there. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's so insane. And I, I'm loving our conversation, but I can only imagine what, like, this sounds like this podcast episode is going to be like, a 911 call where it's just like, <laughs> it's just ranting and raving about things no one understands. It's like when people are in meth and like, oh, there are people ripping up cars and throwing it into trees. And it's like, watch the movie. You'll, you'll, watch you'll it. get it. Uh, you'll get it. You'll be like, oh my God, they're right. Yeah. Since wow. Pretty much everyone who listens to this podcast knows me personally. Message me. I'll send you a link to it. Some of my, some of my notes from these scenes, like, sure. um, there. <laughs> Thank you for labeling the floors of their construction. The floors with construction paper. Thank you for labeling your floors with construction paper. Apartment building. And then that shot of Sarah 
with huge amounts of white wall over her head and construction paper Parolis Corporation behind her, to me, kind of sums up the aesthetic of the whole movie. It does. And then I then I wrote Dusty Monitor in the corner. There's just there's just an abandoned dusty monitor just sitting on the floor next to them that they that they do there's not a lot of that. comment on. There's tons there's of it. There's a lot of that. It's like a fucking fallout environment. Just shit strewn about. Like uh I, I don't all know. They're acting like they're in a totally normal environment. Yeah. Yeah. And again, those things were placed there intentionally. You don't know like I get the vibe. No, I do weren't. know they did. You think, you think you think it's just I think I think he just left the dusty monitor in the shot. You I'm think Mark kidding. you think Mark Regent had the same approach to filmmaking as he does with golf in that you have to play it where it lies. Like you can't I just think like he did. I'm I honestly I really think he did. I don't think like like but, here's the so much of this is so thoughtless. Like we're we're joking about this, but if that were his actual approach, that would be again like a Dogma ninety five transgressive approach to filmmaking, where it's like, no, we can't interrupt the environment. This has got to be deliberate. It's got to be, but it's like it's no. He just didn't know what he was doing. I'll construct the hallway, <laughs> but that monitor is a part of the environment. It, it's we're just gonna leave it. They arrange to work on Matthew's project, and they. They spend a lot of time hammering out exactly where they're going to meet in what room. And then Sarah goes to a class, something where a woman talks briefly about the brain. Somewhere else, Mike and Haley are mourning their dead somebody. And I, I wrote, why do we keep cutting to the green painted hall full of cheap furniture? Because we keep doing it during this conversation where she, where, where we're looking at Ed's mother. Like, it's Ed's mother talking to her husband. Oh, you think this was Ed's mother? I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. (laughs) Because I'm pretty sure Haley comes back at the end to talk about our good friend, Craig. Craig? Who was Craig? (laughs) You don't remember Craig? We'll get to Craig. Oh, (laughs) thank you. Another static shot of a ceiling fan. Again, it almost feels like direct references to Lynch. Uh, Dr. John Marlin is back. And we get my favorite character in the film. This is the character who has the most realized arc in the film. And this is a woman whose ability to lift her arm is getting better every day. She can lift her arm pretty high up now. Not as high as before the accident. Still pretty high. Still pretty high. And the doctor is pleased. He is pleased. He is too messing. Matthew talks to someone on the phone. Susan talks to someone on the phone. This movie has more one-sided phone conversations than a Bob Newhart album. And it's all banal and meaningless. Yes. Like none of none of the phone conversations are it. in any way interesting. There's nothing that clear nothing that clearly ties them to the plot. Well, no. not, nothing that clearly ties. Like, this is the like this is what the one of the other things that's just mind-blowing about this is like. I feel like Regent saw like smart movie, like really smart, good movies like Primer or what was that other um, famously, famously shot for much, much, much less than Regent to have spent. Yeah. Uh, or Pi or um, Memento, like all that stuff, all that great stuff that was coming out in the aughts was like 
well, this is what all these people are doing. I should write a screenplay like that. And he was like trying to go there. This is like his first draft of the script. You know how you go to the writing center in college and like all of all the all the grad student ever says to you is, uh, well, what are you trying to say here? And then you explain and they're like, okay, can you put that in the paper? It's very clear that Regent never had anybody sit down with him and just be like, where where are you going with this? Is this going somewhere? Like, like, like you're, you're trying, you're like, you're scratch, but like what I'm like, this time when I watched it, it's like it, it's like I, I feel like that meme of the guy connecting all the dots with the like, oh, with the uh, from it's always sunny, Charlie Day. Yeah, yeah, Charlie Daniels from uh, it's always yeah, sunny Charlie Daniels. The, the devil like, went down to Georgia, and things things coming like I feel I feel like you're you're seeing the okay, this is Region trying to set up a thriller thing and trying to imply information, but he's not giving enough. And, and yeah, so it's, it's almost impossible to actually tie it to relevance in the rest of the f- narrative. Because there are oblique things that come back. Like there's mention about like hand movement. There's mention about hearing dead people. Like things do connect back. It just. He's just never explicit enough. No, he's not. He's and just er- like, because, because, because he. It's, it's, it's the paper problem. It's the, it's the, it's the freshman comp paper problem. It's like, people won't understand what's in your head unless you're thorough. Exactly. And to illustrate our point about how banal and meaningless every conversation in this film is, after these phone conversations, we get a third meaningless conversation where Sarah talks to her roommate about her roommate's friend being suddenly allergic to shrimp. I wrote, I thought these guys were roommates. Why are they talking like they've never met? I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, John. I wish I had answers. I can't believe you watched this movie twice. (laughs) Oh, my God. It was so hard. Like, I I, uh, messaged you about an hour before we record and be like, hey, finally done with my notes watch. Now it's time for Matthew's psychology experiment that has literally nothing to do with psychology. Mark Regan, again, does he not know what psychology is or is he making a commentary on films that don't know what technical things are? Like Sarah comes in, uh, she's part of the experiment, exercise, whatever. And we get, aside from the paper MRI, which takes a man barely into a tunnel in the MRI for some reason to get Matthew's neuro chips out. He flips a switch on a white paper box and the top slides back. And this thing is very big. It's like the size of a trapper keeper. And he takes out when he flips the switch, his hand is behind the box, isn't it? I was not sure. I was too blown away by movie magic. Yeah. Oh, and for 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 the record, the lid on this white box slides back very slowly. <laughs> it does. But again, like I was just I was just searching for anything that I could hold on to and be like, "That's cool. That's cool. That's a cool pop up <laughs> thing." Um. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Matthew takes out two guitar pick size chips and which look uh, like pieces of post-it note yeah they look yeah 
Yeah. They, oh, and they I, were... I, I wrote here, I wrote here, I was like, are they near an airport? A highway? What's with all the background noise? That's another thing, John. That's another thing, and this is the thing that kept me up at night, is it sounds like traffic is passing by outside where they're recording. Here's the thing, though. If it were ambient sound, I would understand it as bad filmmaking. It's not. These are sound effects that were put into the film. (laughs) Intentionally. Because they always sound the same. They always sound the same. It's 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 intentional. But it's a warehouse in but it's a warehouse in Massachusetts, probably not far from a highway. But it always sounds the same. It sounds exactly the same. It's this is the kind of deep like this 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 film is 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 so bizarre that like it would reward watching on in high quality just to try and tease out some of these details if you want to if you want to go crazy like uh, um what's his name Zach Handlin on uh, the the fella from Always Sunny if you want to drive yourself oh, crazy Char- Charlie Day Charlie Daniels Charlie if you want to go no crazy, not Charlie, like Charlie Daniels Day. you keep saying Charlie Daniels Charlie Day I'm sorry, I've never watched that show either. I don't. It's okay. You, know. I, you might enjoy it. I'm um, sure I would. All my friends love it. Well, you're a super fan of Charlie Daniels, so that's why your mind keeps jumping. I back. am not. I, I don't even remember who Charlie Daniels is. Devil went down to Georgia. Ah. Um, yeah. Thank you. No, of course. I'm glad our friendship brought you something. <laughs> Thank you. So, so. Uh, Oh, it's brought me more than that. I mean, you're the mo- you're the man who got me to watch uh, Lone Wolf and Cub, which is awesome. It is. Uh, did you uh, did, have you seen the whole series? No, just the just the third, I think. Which I think the you second. said was the best. Yeah, the second is the it's, best. The se- uh, <laughs> it's it's the one with the uh, the three the three guys of the giant hats. Uh, That's the, and the second, last one. And that is the best, and it's fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Cannot recommend it enough. So, uh, I think, uh, although I was upset on my initial watch, here's where I started to get angry because Matthew takes out Matthew takes out these chips, which again are about the size of uh, guitar picks and made out of post-it note. Sarah picks one up and be like, "They're pretty light," and Matthew goes, "Slightly heavier than ordinary chips." Fuck you. Fuck you and your idea of ordinary chips. Fuck you. Like, I'm not doing it. <laughs> not like, oh, yeah, these chips that are just ubiquitous in society. Well, but this is this is one of those funny illustrations of, like, again, the freshman comp problem. But this is the other problem where it's like, why does he need to say that? Does he really need to say that? But like, again, like is like it indicative? commentary that it's heavy is like... Okay, that that serves a purpose in your narrative, but his response, it's like that's not net needed at all. Like none of this is needed. Nothing. None, none of this is needed. None of it is needed. It's all like I'm going like, okay, maybe they exist in a world where chips are ubiquitous. We don't know. We don't know. So Sarah says, I can't. Ex- I can't start experimenting with these until next month. That's nuts. That's that's nuts. It's nuts. The movie is going to go, oh, wait, let me wait a month. 
for I'm assuming no reason, I bet we jumped to her using the chips. We don't even jump to her using the chips. She just uses these chips in the same she session. Just, she just slides, slides it under her hair and just sticks it on her temple. Also, it's insane because she says she can't start experimenting with it until she starts the psychology experiment with Prorolis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't it doesn't tie to anything. It doesn't it doesn't hold together. It's like And Matthew's gonna explain these chips. And I don't know what it is. On my first watch, I listened to this six times. I, <laughs> st- I still could not grasp what he was saying until until I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to click to another tab and watch and look at something else while I listen to this. And it worked. This movie is it. Was this where he cuts? Like my, my note here is uh, it says, I I say at first it says, clear your mind, read minds. (laughs) Then I wrote dialogue without showing the other character because I, uh, aren't we like, aren't we like trained on Sarah's face? And like for the duration of his explanation. Uh, it's possible. Or we're, I don't or, or we're, we're trained on like we're, I forget which of them we're trained on, but like, like I, I wrote dialogue without showing the other character, where it's just like the spatial relationship between these characters is completely unclear during this and during this pretty <sighs> long and important chunk of dialogue. The we don't know where they are. We don't know where how they are sitting relative to each other. <laughs> like. It's like the end of 2001 A Space Odyssey. This entire This entire film where you have no idea of space or time. Like it's all just it's all just the fucking stargate. I don't know, but basically what Matthew says is like if you wear this chip, I can see your thoughts, but you can't see mine. It's a one-way device. And here's here's what tripped me up the first time I saw this, where I'm like I understood that they said psychology, but for whatever reason in my mind, I was thinking of like a Bill Murray and Ghostbusters psychic experiment where it's like, you're going to think something, I'm going to perceive it. No, that's not what this is. These chips are actual hard science where it's like, I'm going to read your brain and more horrifying, you can just like plant them on the outside of someone's skull like a tick and read their thoughts. And like, suddenly this became like really horrifying to me, like a really read their visual, re- like visually, like it projects yes. images. And, and he says, well, some people you don't get images at all. And some people, the images are fragmentary and broken. Yes. But again, these chips, uh, let you see another person's thoughts, but only, it only goes in one direction, just like that band smash mouth. Who went yep. straight to the top with their song with, "All Star"? With no, no, it was walking on a much the sun. Better song, watching walking on the sun. Well, I yes. mean, it was both. Obviously, everybody knows. Obviously, obviously. Welcome to the Smash Mouth cast. My yeah. guest. Can we can Tam. we talk more about can we talk more about him? You know, I'm so sorry about Steve, his drug problems. Steve yeah. Harwell. Steve yeah, Harnell. No, seems- Steve Harnell. Yeah. Uh, it seems like he had a rough time. I want to I want to stand on stage while my fam- most famous song plays behind me and just sort of. Disassociate. I mean, what is your most famous song, John? Uh, definitely Toaster Car. 
definitely toaster car. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard I wish toaster I wrote car. It. Me. Oh, you didn't? I don't think you so. Should go listen to it. Send toaster me a car, link. Toaster car. I, I should have asked. Toaster I'm, car. Sarah immediately puts this chip on her melon, despite saying, despite saying she needed a month. And now here, dear listeners, uh, an hour and seventeen minutes into this podcast, we are going to get our longest bit of plot. So. Sarah imagines some shapes. Matthew is amazed at how clear the picture is. He guesses she was thinking of a cylinder, but she was actually thinking of a basket. And really, it looks like the Green Lantern symbol, like uh, the outline. They're very, very abstract shapes. It's like... I can like it's make cannot... a make a cylinder in Blender and wiggle your mouse around a little bit. <laughs> Imagine like it's so hard to describe how crude and amateurish this CGI is. Like we cannot stress it enough. Imagine just like if a caveman could make a 3D image. Yeah, that's uh, that with <laughs> in a pure white void. Oh man, <laughs> so we we see more shapes, uh, some ovoid birds, but some of the, the bird, bir- the birds and flowers. Oh, the birds are great. Uh, top ten and characters. Guess who? Guess who? Oh, it's somebody really important. Oh no, it's a CGI shape person. Stabbing another CGI shaped person with no face. With no face, I can't uh, make out the face. And but Sarah wasn't here's uh, while I was first watching, I was like, Oh my god, Sarah's the murderer because she's having these involuntary thoughts about her murders. No, Sarah wasn't nope. thinking about that, it just appeared. And it turns out this happened before, before Ed Brown was murdered, a week before. <laughs> And then we see an exterior of a house with pieces of computer paper on the siding. Clearly yeah, intentional. I, like, that doesn't happen by accident. A house but, full of junk, I wrote. Yeah. But why? Why the pieces of paper on the... Uh, I don't... Like, but, the like, yeah, there's... Like, talk about another motif in this movie is the pieces of paper just sort of tacked onto things. There are so many. They are everywhere. And again, it's a conscious choice. Like the Mark pieces Regan of paper is don't tape it. themselves to the wall. <laughs> they don't. I've hoped for it to happen. I've prayed to Jesus Christ. <laughs> Every night on bended knee, my brow wet with the midnight dews. <laughs> I'm like Jesus, I will give you my whole heart if you could make this. Tape piece this of paper to the paper. wall. Yes, just, just, yeah. Uh, I mean, Regions got you covered. Regions got you. Maybe Regions Jesus. Maybe he is. We don't know. We don't know. And again, like everyone says, if Jesus were to come back now, we would shun him. Just what like if we shuns Mark Russ? Oh my God! What if? What? I've if? written a lot of erotic fan fiction about it. They keep on with the exercise, and they realize that, like, oh, if Sarah's getting these visions, maybe we can finger the culprit. And Matthew says, picture I picked a flat. Up the, I, well, so, yes, we'll get to that line. 
like the thing you said just before that is uh, I picked up pieces of your last vision. I'd like to see the entire thing where it's like, wait a second, you're using a scientific tool and you're referring to a vision. What kind of scientist are you? Yeah, no, that's, it's all nuts. It's, it's, I don't know, man. So now say the line, say the line. (laughs) Picture a flat surface. Out of the surface, one letter rises. From the alphabet? <laughs> so I was I was prepared for this line. I was prepared for this line, but nothing can prepare you for this line. So preposterous. <laughs> it's so Because it comes out of nowhere. It's like I but Yeah. Every no, line in this so movie absurd. comes out of nowhere. It's so every absurd. single it's line a, in this movie is it's like Inesco. It's 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 like <laughs> everything is so absurd, but it also seems so purposeful in that it doesn't seem to have a purpose. And I'm just waiting for a rhinoceros to come on stage and kill people. But no, actually, I compared it to a different creative work. Um, at this point, on my first watch. This felt so much to me like uh, the Vernon Chapman creation, Final Flesh. I haven't seen or or listened to. Um, it's uh, it's pretty obscure, but it's Vernon Chapman made this movie very absurdist, very surreal. But he made it by sending scripts to four different, very low budget fetish video creators. And then he sort of oh, like... Oh, I've heard of this. Yes. And it, it's sort of the same thing where it's like... It, it it feels like there is an intent. There's a satire. There's a surrealism. Like, I... It, it doesn't make sense for this movie to be this bad. To be this insane. to be. But again, if Mark Regan is from another country and English is a second language. Like then do we be like, okay. But that's one of the other weird things is like the script reads like it was written by a native speaker who hadn't taken freshman comp because the idioms, yeah. the idiom of the script uh, is generally like the, the English is idiomatic and functional. It is. It is. It doesn't uh, read like broken or English it, or, or whatever. Or, or incomprehensible. Or, no, or it, it, like, a, like it was translated from a foreign language. It reads like English, but it, re- yeah, it reads. Yeah, it does. It reads like an English textbook in Italy or something. You know, like, hi, my name's Sarah. My name is Matthew. I have an apartment. Do yeah. you? I also have an apartment downtown. So here's another obstacle I ran into. <laughs> there's so many. <laughs> there, there's a million. There's a million every time. It's like, oh my God. If there was a, ever a movie that almost defeated me, it is. <laughs> because it you is just, you just want it to mean something. The whole time you're just, just like, that's got to mean something. That's got to be a thing. <laughs> like we, we watched this movie called Matilda a terrible boxing kangaroo movie with a terrible 
kangaroo suit that for whatever reason had balls and Elliot Gould was there. And uh, I suggest you listen to that episode. It's pretty good. I um, will. But, um, but that was really bad. But this is just like, it feels. <laughs> it feels purposeful. Here, here's the thing that upsets me so much is it feels like I'm too dumb to understand it. It feels like it feels like there there's a meaning there, but I'm just like, oh, Brad, you're too dumb, you're too thick. But be the uh, scientist and be, look for the evidence. Be sure there is know. none. There it's is not no there. evidence that this has made that this is striving for real meaning. There's there's this, only evidence that this was incompetence. That's it. But, <laughs> but this is like this is like for me if there was an episode of Scooby Doo. Where they ripped off the mask and it was just a monster, and Fred would just stuck a gun in his mouth and blew his fucking brains out, and was like, right. "Okay, yeah, no, yeah, there, that's there's right. Everything I know about the world is wrong." Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, and it's a little scary. <laughs> it's super scary. Like this is this is why it kept me up at night because I was like, "This doesn't pass the sniff test." Like, there's something more going on here. I, I need to figure it out. But. Here's the and thing you and about everybody else. Like there's all these people, every commenter in every comment section, every time you read about this movie, they're like, this has got to be a prank. This has got to be this. It's exactly. Gotta be that. It's got, and it's like, guys, I found all the actors. They all talked to region. They said he was a little bit strange, but he paid. So they were like, sure. And why not? It's like, here's, here's the thing that I didn't bring up before. This was all filmed. And I mentioned that it was filmed in a warehouse. This warehouse was extremely cold. Like 40 degrees. Very cold. And uh, in New England. And it's like... In January. I can understand if you were doing whatever, not directing, not doing all the other things, but it's like, why would you torture your actors like that? Like, it's cruel. And if it is intentional, it's shitty. Like... But yeah, but like a, he did, it doesn't seem to be deliberate either. No, it just seemed like he had very little money. Then he lied about how much money he did have because every all information we have about the production of this film, at least as far as budget and equipment goes, comes from Mark Region. And it's a very easy to lie to people. But we, but like, it's also worth noting that like it's it's possible he got completely fleeced on the CGI, but like a lot of the decisions he made definitely probably were expensive. Like a full cat yeah. like like ten ten union actors for like three days, four days, that can't be cheap. Yeah, no, I'm sure it isn't. Uh, it's at least a hundred thousand dollars or something. Maybe not that probably. much. Maybe I'm overstating uh, a little bit. But. It might be overstated because again, he he quoted the actual production budget as like thirty to forty k. Yeah, uh, but Which here's might, maybe includes the camera and like, the yeah. camera. <laughs> sometimes there was camera assistant. Sometimes it was just region. Here's the thing about the horrible CGI effects is my mind is going, well, maybe that's how this technology renders thoughts. It's not like real life. It's just this vague bullshit. 
And that's a legitimate reason. Like that's, that's actually sort of an interesting technological thing to be like, Oh my God, I can read your thoughts. They might look like fucking uh, right. this weird you might just boss bullshit. Like the way exactly. the chip interprets, the way the chip interprets my, my image is like this sh- cylinder shrinking and growing. Exactly. Like, which like, and that would, Again, this is another one of the points where region just kind of drops the ball in editing and it, there's yeah. nothing linking the two things together or making it clear that that was his intent. As you've been saying this You're entire guessing. time. Exactly. <laughs> there's no evidence to lead us to that. And it, it, it's. Well, no, no, but, but I mean, like, I, I don't disagree. Like, like, but like every time, every time you watch, when you watch this movie, you're just like, well, I think that's what he's going for, but I'm yeah. not absolutely sure because there's no clear connection. Like in the it, movie, in the movie, in the text, there, there's the, no clear connection. You never you the watch crazy, the movie and it's like, there's no cut. There's no like dissolve. There's no like, okay, I'm doing it now. Nothing. nothing. No. Just like and, cut to this white void. <laughs> and it would be the perfect sort of balm for the low CGI to be like, yeah, this is how thoughts are rendered. And as we sink more, they get more realistic, which they sort of do. But again, there's nothing to give us that we are meeting the movie more than halfway in point of, yeah, that's right. And in point of fact, in the text of the movie, like later on, like the CGI goes on for like what, a half an hour. An interminable it's, half an hour. It's <laughs> this whole section before we get to the big movie twist is the about twist in quotes. <laughs> Thirty to forty minutes. Again, it cannot be overstated how long we see CGI shapes just floating in front of the screen. Next, we get some cars, and the cars CGI are cars. like CGI cars. And the cars are so close together, it's like they're human centipeded. And they're, I just they're, they're monocolor, they're monotone, they're like solid gray objects pasted together. But sometimes I make better movies than the movie I'm watching. And I just imagine like, what if human centipede took place in the cars universe? What if, what if Lightning Queen got his uh, car mouth glued to uh Mater's I, I... exhaust pipe? Yeah, I feel like I feel like it would be the doc doing being the like the the, the doc you think Paul lines Newman? up. Doc lines up. Yeah, I feel like. Oh uh, man, I'm I'm I, sad. Paul since Newman. I have since I have been born, I have dreamed of doing this to cause. Do you think Paul Newman ever saw Human Centipede? No, I, what didn't he die before it came out? I'm no, not sure. Did he? I think he died slightly. Um, he might have died I slightly. I hope he after. watched it on his deathbed. I hope it's the last thing. I hope it's the last thing he ever saw. And I hope right before he died, I'm assuming like a minute after the credits ended, he watched it all the way to the end. And he was like, I have a bomb new salad dressing recipe inspired by this film. And now I'm dead. Goodbye. That's the only thing I hope for in this world. You could call the estate. I, I bet they'll have an answer. I bet they'll I have do. an answer. I do every day, and, and I don't. Have, you hound, I don't. You hound the estate of Paul Newman. I hound them, and probably my problem is why I'm not getting a straight answer. Is I just shout keywords 
at the um, phone directory, like the automated directory. I'm like, Paul Newman, human centipede, mater. And, I'm, <laughs> and they don't know how to direct me. We see some horrible trees, some trees that look like candy. Are they trees? Are you sure they're trees? They're trees. I know they look like candy that a digital witch would give to digital children. They are trees. And we find out that Sarah is not imagining the scenery. It's just appearing. The duo view a CGI house. Now we get a pretty impressive, and you know what? I'm going to say it, John. You don't have to agree. Pretty sexy CGI lady. Perhaps. Yeah. But, but before we cut to the lady, I just want to point out, like you mentioned before about how we were talking about how there's nothing in the text of the movie that indicate indicates this idea that like, oh, this is what the chips are doing, that the chips are transmitting poorly. Like that there's supposed to be a connection when she first puts the chip on and it's like, oh, they slowly get better. This scene actually suggests that had the CGI been better, it might have been more coherent because <laughs> because as we're staring at this blank facade of a house, which I wrote, has less detail than a toddler's scribble, Matt chimes in, I don't recognize the house. It's like, <laughs> what? Are, what's to recognize? This is like... The classic house archetype. Like, this is every house that ever existed. This what are you is trying to puzzle out? <laughs> this is literally the box with the triangle on top of it. Right? Like, what? Like, the, like the movie thinks that, this, thinks that these visions are supposed to be clear. At least at this point, by this time, the movie is saying these images should be clear. Yes. But... The CGI has not improved in quality or changed in any way. <laughs> and again, if you want to show a progression, just use live action at this point. Just just use live action. Um, but again, we hear these traffic sounds or whooshing or whatever ambient noise. And again, it's... During I, the I, CG, right? This is yes. during the CG. There's like, also during the it. CG. He has edited in these bizarre traffic noises or yes. airport noises. It's not really clear. It's it's some sort of ambient background bullshit. Like pass and pass through a low pass filter. Like it's exactly. like traffic noise pass through a low pass filter or something. And again, that doesn't happen by accident. Right. Or now we get. Now we get probably. Uh, one of my favorite parts of the movie where this 3d lady starts throwing cubes at the wall. And it just, it just conjures up this intense mental image of some subhumanoid Sims character in a weird torture game where it's just like, this is the fit they're throwing because they can't get out of my digital sex dungeon. Yeah, torture, tor like yeah, it 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 that absolutely has that energy. <laughs> only, only I feel like if either of us were actually playing this game, we probably would have cranked up the speed so it would have happened faster. Because like, yeah, I want to wait wait like a minute for her to finish throwing her fit. Oh yeah, I would have done a lot of speed doing playing this game. Um, <laughs> but here we here we get the most horrifying moment in the movie for me. The CGI woman makes a sound. And I hate it, but I also love it. It's sort of like, 
But worse. You're look. You don't recall that this sound made the like, immediate impact. The sound. I should. I should. Uh, that like this. The, this movie is such a blank slate. Everybody just brings notices different things because like there's just no connective tissue. True. It's just. It's just a stack of blocks. <laughs> I, um, I this never grabbed my attention. It, it oh just my god! It's horrifying. <laughs> it's, it's 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 absolutely uh, terrible. But a murder man with something over his face, like, and like a, he has like a cone. Like he has a like spike. holding a cone. It's like a spike. A spike. He's, it's like, like a spike. spike. <laughs> He's like the spike. Another lynch. in his in his in his like oval fist. No, he has a spike. He emerges from the wall. The three D lady. Great. We had seen great. him earlier. This is the same one from earlier. For some reason, he is reappearing in the flame, reappearing in the frame through the wall. And again, which, like, another thing. One of the things that supports the idea that as they are more connected, the mental image is better. Before he was, now he looks vaguely human. Before he looked like some sort of horrible, just shape monster. Just shape yeah, person, like a just bunch like, of cones piled together, like circles. two cones, two yeah. so two cones for each leg, two cones for each arm. Yeah, but the three D lady bats a cube at her assailant, yet he persists, and she tries to flee, but the door won't open, and she is murdered. Uh, all of which is also narrated while it is happening. She's facing the door! She's trying to open the door, but she can't get out! Do you think this movie would work better as, like, a 1930s radio serial? (laughs) Do you think the Uh, shadow should face off against Eric Nelson? I don't think it would be worse. (laughs) I I don't Uh, think you could make this movie worse, honestly. No! (laughs) Aside from, like, blatant racism or anti-Semitism or transphobia or homo... Like, if there were any hate in this movie, although... There's just nothing. There's There's just nothing. nothing. It's just a blank slate. (laughs) This is like a... very white movie, but besides that, like... You you could swap out the act... Anybody could be any part. Really, it's like a fucking blow-up sex doll of a movie. Just like hollow... And just yeah. like whatever you want to put into it, that's what's inside of it. Gross but accurate. And just grim, just grim as an idea of art. But Sarah opens her eyes, and the uh, oh, the vision, the vision had stopped. Well, one, you open your eyes, and we established earlier that if you open your eyes, the vision stops. And two, when Sarah says, after Sarah says this, the actress Peggy McClellan puts her hand up to her mouth. And I, I'm not a professional actor, but I, I've done quite a bit on stage uh, in community theater. And that 100% has to be direction. That is not a natural action that people do. That is like, it's so yep. unnatural and unnecessary and yep. it's so off-putting. Yep. Yeah. It, it like, it, it has, it has that, it completely has that energy that, that, the actors talked about where like the direction that they got from like, they didn't get any emotional or mental direction. There was like, here's the state of mind your character is in region was like, 
finish your line and put your hand to your put your hand over your mouth. I believe it. I believe it. I, I totally believe it. Yeah. Matthew and Sarah established that they don't know who the woman is or where she was. Meanwhile, one of my favorite characters in the movie enters some accent man. Like, I don't know if it's New England or Brooklyn or whatever the fuck, but he goes and bangs on a door and he's like, Angie, there's a book in the living room. And we later learn, oh no, it's so much dumber than that. So uh, Homeboy is banging on this door being like, Angie, Angie. Uh, (laughs) And then we cut back to the Prorolis Corporation room. And Matthew has just gotten back from somewhere. Yeah, this was I. Uh, this is what I script like. Brief cut to outside. This guy with Angie, uh, sight guy comes, and and Matthew comes back in. Apparently, in the last minute, several hours have passed. Like the lighting hasn't changed in the scene. Sarah's position hasn't really changed in any substantial way. Like the big thing, he's still wearing the chip. Is he? <laughs> I didn't even notice that. <laughs> he he still has the ch- he still has the chip on his temple. And so he yeah. wandered outside. He went outside, went to the cops, came back, all with the chip on his temple. This super valuable secret technology on his temple. <laughs> he informs Sarah once he gets back that a woman has been hella stabbed. We also get this weird detail that she was like trapped in a room. And could not open the door. We saw that sort of during the vision. Now it's Sarah's turn to leave. And we get this weird shot of the outside, like a parking lot. There's snow. And three kind of white paper monoliths. And then Sarah comes back inside. Yeah. And like, to this day, I like, I think... That is supposed to be an exterior shot of the Prorolis Corporation. But I am not absolutely sure. That again goes back to that AV Club review, which is like, yeah, after I watched this like the third time, it was only like the third time I watched it where I was like, okay, I think that's supposed to be Prorolis. Maybe? I'm not absolutely sure. I have no fucking clue. And honestly, I didn't really clock it the first time through. And this time I was like, this is weird and surreal and i don't know what's going on more than i don't know it what's is, going on you know on. i'll this is another one of those things where it's like boy for something you did by accident it's actually kind of pretty yeah it's like it's weird and it's alienating and this is like if more the movie were like these two seconds of shots that we're going to get of these <laughs> right i'd be like yeah, no, there's something about this. It's breaking down how we perceive information in film. Instead, it's just weird bullshit. Well, but it's so unfortunate. Like, so many of these shots, like, of these stark single light shots with these harsh shadows. Later, I wrote, God, it looks like German expressionism. <laughs> like, it does! These super stark shots of a wall with a super harsh shadow behind it and like another wall behind that. And like these characters with these giant looming shadows over up and behind them. I can see it void, but, but it's like, no, I promise this is an accident. It is not deliberate. This was not, this was not constructed. This was 
just an accident. No, no, put down your pitchforks. I didn't mean any of this. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so then Sarah comes back inside, and they continue with the exercise. We see some CGI fish, which I really enjoyed. Top three character from a CGI fish. <laughs> yes, and the coral. Um, I think it's coral. I don't know. This bout of CGI, which is supposed to represent the ocean, is interminable and somehow less engaging than what we've previously seen, which is literally just squares and rectangles flying across the scene. Yeah, I described the next one as the flying sandwich. <laughs> Bread and cold cuts in the CGI. <laughs> we cut back to reality, and there's a very jarring camera adjustment where it pans down, then pans over. It's like maybe you should have done that before you start shooting. <laughs> why didn't Why didn't you just edit that out? There's no dialogue during that. Is there no. either? Is there right? Like actually, I think easy. they are talking. I think they are talking as the camera like is, goes. Bruh. And then it goes, it goes to the side, yeah. And I, you know, and I also wrote here, like, the ambient noise in these shots is so loud. It is. It it's, is, but also, here's the thing, is I'm sure you, like I did, had to turn my volume way up for this to be loud, because the sound mixing on this is shittier than usual sound mixing. That's right. It, which is why I'm pretty sure it's actually just ambient noise. You're like, well, it's always the same. And it's like, yeah, if you're next to a really busy... Some of it is. <laughs> and the same noise pops up in the CGI. And it's like, that had to be edited in. Obviously, there is no such thing as CGI background noise. No. Uh, I will say this. I was extremely engaged by the loud monotone synth music over shots where we see the tops of chairs. And I was like, oh my God, something's about to pop off. Nothing and does. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> but that, that approximate one and a half seconds of the film, I was so on edge where I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Something is about to happen. Uh, more outside stuff. There's more big white paper structures. Now we see... Here's what we get. I refer to it as the rectangle carnival. Now, now Sarah's just like, oh, just thinking about rectangles all fucking day. This is... <laughs> You, and they just sort of they sort of like shrink and grow and shrink and grow and spin and spin and spin. John, I don't want to go telling tales out of school, but you're married to a lady. Oh yeah. You know how these dizzy broads are. All day long their heads filled with rectangles. Yeah, it's uh just imagining it just blows rectangles. My mind. It blows. I, I weep I weep for my daughter. I weep oh for God. her so, so soon. So soon her brain will be filled with rectangles. Someday she'll be a full rectangle brood. <laughs> a rectangle head. Um, you know, and I think this is one of the real innovations of these chips, is the ability to see the rectangles in women's heads. Exactly. Now we can understand them. Here's where I noted that this movie feels cursed. Like, this feels like a creepypasta gotten out of hand. Like, it feels like 
just someone's like, I, oh yeah, I made this story about a cursed movie. I guess I should make an hour and a half movie <laughs> to add to the verisimilitude of my 250 word creepypasta. Right. Yes, it does have that energy. It, it totally it does. does. Like it feels like yeah. it feels like you're watching. Bad. If the ring were ninety minutes, the CGI shapes floating around continues for many, many minutes. Now we get another one of my favorite characters, Cone Man. He's a he's a man. He's just made out of CGI cones. I love that guy. I love that guy. I ship me and him. I, it's a self insert. Me and Cone Man. I mean, uh, cone. cones are good for insertions. They are good for insertions. Ah, it ships. John it just, ships naturally. <laughs> it does. Oh man, good funnels too. Oh, it's another vision, and it seems like the murder man is in the hallway outside the room they're in. He's <gasps> at the door. Psychology exercise with a sign with a sign on the door that looks nothing like the sign that was actually on the door. I mean, it was a pretty good rendition. It looked like a piece of computer paper with the word psychology exercise on it. So the door slowly creeps op- creaks open, or it might be a closet door because it seems pretty uh, shallow inside. I-, I don't know. A chair moves. Some other objects move seemingly on their own. And then Matthew is savagely attacked by an invisible force. Ah! <laughs> and then there are sheets of paper all over the floor. A theme of the movie. Sarah is also viciously attacked. Some chairs are tipped over. They flee, but they can't open the door. Much like Angie. This is one of the few effects that actually looks halfway decent. Is like, and actually actually uses a certain amount of actual film language. Where like, yeah. we do an extreme close up to Sarah's arm, and. We see the we see the cut happen and it bleeds and she immediately grabs her arm and says, Oh by the standards of this movie, it's one of the better effects. It is, and it's one of the better bits of acting because the actress had to sell this. I assume they all studied mime. Now now, John, you're an American liberal. Who did you study mime under? I he was Chinese, I think. Oh you have really? somebody in mind. No, not for you. I know who I studied mime under. Who was it? Jimmy Carter. Oh my god. Yeah, no. Uh, you know, he, he was uh, my my guy was a student of Jimmy Carter's because you know there's the lineage oh. of mimes. You know, oh, absolutely. A lot like yeah. a lot like a lot like you know how Zen monks have that. Like uh, every mime will tell you. When, well, yeah, every mime will tell you nothing because they, they don't speak. They, they won't tell you anything. They're too right. busy being trapped in a box. But sometimes they'll write it down. Sometimes I consider those mimes uh, unclean, filthy, damnable. There's paper all over the floor, some plastic bins. I think it's like taped to the floor. Like, isn't the paper like, but it's like, it felt like, is this where the paper is organized on the floor or is it like just strewn on the floor? I don't like, because there's bits where the paper is like deliberately placed on the floor. Like, it seems like it's deliberately (laughs) mapped out. I didn't focus so much on the paper as much as the plastic bins arranged in a semicircle. <laughs> yes, that's which is Again, so weird. Intentional. Like that even your theory that this is all found stuff, like unless some weird 
plastic bin cultists had been in the area of this warehouse and like I mean yeah, he probably put them put them in that shape. He probably, I bet the actors helped him. But why? Why? There oh, has why? to be a reason. There has to be a reason. I, I, I uh, so my suspicion, given the way the rest of the movie like flirts with the barest essence of representation for like everything is that this is mm-hmm. supposed to be like a ring of chairs. Like this is this is where an AA meeting is going to happen or something. Uh, maybe like like no. so much of the representation um, is just so abstract that that you're just not sure. It's like maybe it's that. I'm not. I'm not sure. <laughs> here's 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 one of the problem with uh, analysis and criticism of any art medium is. The more you know, the more context you have in different things is more of a tool to cast a wider net and meet things more than halfway. So I'm like, hmm, maybe this uh, uh, semicircle of plastic bins is like a fairy circle because we're about to meet a a supernatural entity and... Um, <laughs> Maybe this is a, a message that we are not in the real world, which we are not. Um, <gasps> Give away spoilers! Dude. Oh my god, spoilers for two minutes from now. So Sarah is attacked again, and Matthew shouts, "The chair! The chair next to the wall!" And then he wakes up, and it was all a dream. How much was a dream? I don't know. Like the last- and- hour of movie at, at the very least, least at, at the, the very, very least, least the last half hour of movie never happened uh which was the only bit of the movie that had plot or consistency or understanding or any sort of arc anything to grab onto except uh, that and we're not going to go there yet because we'll get there <laughs> but we do learn that ed brown was still murdered so that wasn't right. a dream Oh man, I dream about Ed Brown being murdered like every so night. I, I scribble this thing. I love the idea that an attractive woman wakes a dude up asleep at his desk. He said he was having a terrible dream and that we were exchanging thoughts. And instead of getting creeped out, she's like, "That sounds pretty interesting. How'd we do that?" I mean, <laughs> which is what she says. I'm not creeped out by it. It's just like I don't know. Especially since we, especially since at the beginning of the movie, we get the general idea that these guys, in spite of the fact that they're in the same psych grad program, barely know each other. Like, mm, see, this is why I ship them. This is why I just assume. <laughs> I assume that they just hardcore fuck anytime they're not on screen. Well, I mean, that's how they keep warm. Yeah. No, of course. In this, yeah, yeah, exactly. And anytime we see an exterior, it's snowy, so we can only assume that it's um. Oh yeah, they they said uh, they said it was January, like in in the oral mm, history. They say they said that this was filmed on location in an unheated warehouse in January in Massachusetts. And January Jones, co-star of Mad Men, was there, and we all know her chilly demeanor on set didn't help things. Matthew wakes up, and luckily, they're still in the same room at the Pro Rollis Corporation, and they're still doing some sort of experiment exercise where it's not clear who is supposed to be running this, because 
Sarah's asking Matthew very bland, like personality questions, like what sort of car would right. you drive? What would but you Matthew, change? What would you change about your schedule in the last forty-eight hours? And oh like, man, you know what? Nothing. Nothing. Lived it to the. <laughs> you would absolutely watch this movie again. Oh my god, I would. Uh, <laughs> if uh, on my deathbed, I will be like I. It's not that I wanted to spend more time with friends or loved ones or family. It's that I wanted to spend more time trying to understand after last season. Like that's played on my funeral, projected on my headstone for eternity. Uh, during these questions, Matthew describes how you would decorate a room and yeah. says that, uh, you know what? It's not for a special occasion. It's just any room and he can decorate it however he wants. And uh, you know what? And like a lighting. round table instead of the rectangular table I have. The lighting and lighting. I'd change the lighting. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, mostly the table just stuck out to me. It's like, I have a rectangular table. Wish I had that round table that my neighbor has. That's why Matthew is a beta. <laughs> he should have bought that round table to start with. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, Matthew. Like, come on, man. <laughs> Where's the energy here? Like, obviously, th- this is this is why there's just no sex in this movie. Oh no, Matthew, it's oh, all man. your fault. <laughs> so the uh, questions keep going and going yep. and going and going. That's like and then there's minutes. a yeah. bang outside. They race to go see, and here we get my favorite character. And this is the murder man who is trying to get into a lab, but he needed. <laughs> there are six digits to the access code. I need, I need the, the last. Three. He doesn't even say three. He doesn't specify. He just like, I need the last digits to the access code. Right. Um, <laughs> and you know what? I don't. I don't like to critique people. I don't. I don't like to offer criticism where it's not invited. But murder man, Eric Nelson, has decided to stab first and ask questions later. He has stabbed I this. Through, and, yeah. Yeah. No, he, he's, that's probably why he's a murderer. It's because he doesn't really think through things. A little um, impulsive. Yeah. My favorite part of the movie, he sees Matt and Sarah off screen and he raises an eyebrow very archly, and it is the best acting moment in this film. It's like implied that he sees them because we know they heard the bang and they rushed to the door and they opened the door and then we cut to him in a completely different hallway with no with no visual tie to anything that's going on with Sarah, Sarah and Matt at all. No. Like there's no visual evidence tying the two things together and like we have to infer that he saw them which is helped along by doesn't Sarah when we cut back to them Sarah comes back into the room and she's like he saw us. And she does like, say that and they do make the inexplicable choice to run back into the room with only one exit and <clears throat> the murder man follows them and <laughs> Suddenly, like you do. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. If I were a murder man trying to get into a lab, and some people saw me murdering a man, I'd kill them too. Right. Murderer one hundred and one. 
Right. Yeah. I, I mean, teach at community college. <laughs> I, not not like that. Not like that show. Full how house. to get away with? Oh yeah, <laughs> you got me, you son of a bitch. <laughs> but so the murder man follows them back in, and suddenly a chair moves on its own, and you're like. <laughs> And then uh, a couple seconds later, a chair just flies across the room and knocks uh, the murder man out. Just sort of gently, like it. It looks for all the world. This chair looks like it was just kind of, just kind of gently lobbed. <laughs> it's like, like it was inspired by the Christopher Cross song "Sailing" and decided to go sailing across the room very smoothly. Sailing takes me away to where I always wanted to be in your face. We hear a voice calling some cones. (laughs) We hear a voice calling Sarah's name. It's an invisible guy. It's a ghost. It's a it's a ghost. It's a ghost. It's a ghost. I'm pretty sure it's Ed Ghost. Isn't it explicitly Ed's ghost? ghost? It's Craig's ghost. Oh my god! I know it's so embarrassing for you. Um, <laughs> now, uh, Craig's ghost. You've heard of Craig's list. No, wait for Craig's ghost. The Invisible Man. He doesn't have shape, and he can't be touched, much like MC Hammer. But he can move objects. You know, sometimes. I wrote. I wrote. I wrote. So I think. I don't think his name is mentioned until like the very end of the entire scene. It's not. And and, and I wrote I wrote in my notes I was like how do they know the ghost's name is Craig? Cuz I don't think the ghost <laughs> says it. I don't she says it for the first time. I think she, she might like, be right. Pull the name out I, of his pull the name out of her head. <laughs> honestly at this point I'm just I'm checked out. Like I'm I'm done. <laughs> I'm just like just just there are a few more minutes till the end. It. I might have missed it, or like, there's so I, many places where you could just miss a, an important detail in this movie. It's also possible. Like, what would what would you call a ghost? Like, if you had to guess a ghost name, Craig. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's my, it's my first choice. It's my first choice. Always my I've first. Thought about this a lot, actually. I always assume it's either the ghost, any ghost I interact with, and I interact with a lot every day, all day. I assume it's either the ghost of Craig Ferguson or Craig Finn from The Hold Steady. But not Craig Kilborn. No. Fuck him. I, and granted, no one has reported Craig Ferguson or Craig Finn as being dead, but, you know, it's always good to get the jump. Yeah, and, uh, and I mean, maybe they're, maybe they're astral projecting. Maybe Craig is astral projecting. Oh, man, I hope so. I hope... I hope Craig is still alive, living his best life. Uh, just doing whatever doing Craig cameos, wants. Doing cameos in other low-budget movies. Uh, do you know any quality people named Craig? One or two. Okay. Perhaps, if I, I know them. some good Craigs. I, I, good. There are some names that's like, I can't think of any good people with that name. Do you know any good Randys? I know one who's very helpful in an event that I attend from time to time. Okay. Okay. We won't slander one, Randy. One. So sometimes Craig can lift objects, <laughs> but most of the most of the time it seems he can't. He can't lift he's having trouble with a chair, and then he can't move Sarah's backpack. He can lift a ruler though. 
So Craig is like a five out of ten on the power scale. I think I could take Craig, but um, he can vibrate air well mm, enough to that people can hear his voice. That's a dream. That's the goddamn dream. Yeah, I mean, dream it's for all of like, us. but that's one of those logical glitches that like everybody loves to call attention to in these ghost stories. And it's like, well, it's about a ghost. Like you're already making a bunch of. You're already filling in a bunch of gaps yourself. So So cut to FBI agent William York, who was Parkinson man from the beginning. And still is. Still is. He's still he's still shaking. Still got the tremor in that hand. Let's also uh because it's been two hours and fourteen minutes, draw a connection back to the idea of hearing the voices of dead people. Uh, associated with schizophrenia or brain damage or whatever the fuck. But William York has an exposition phone call explaining that the murder man, Eric Nelson, did stuff. It does not matter. Now, now we get the completion of my favorite arc, my favorite character, Arm Lady is back. And... (laughs) She can now lift her arm almost up to normal height. God bless her. True American hero. Matthew phoned someone to talk about Eric Nelson and an area with a lot of hot mineral springs. Later, he sits at a computer and a coat falls to the floor. He picks it up and asks, Craig? Yeah, I when I saw that, I was like, how was his coat on the wall? I see no hooks. Like, I'm looking at the wall, and it looks like it's just a blank wall. What, did they tape it there? Like, this movie, this movie. I didn't even think about that. That makes me so upset that they couldn't even, like, uh, <laughs> That's put, my a fucking, note. <laughs> uh, put a fucking command hook. Two women stand outside a house and talk about mundane things. I think one of the women... We saw before she was Haley. They go inside and the woman who is not Haley picks up a picture of Craig, who was also an intern or graduate student or something. And um, the movie basically ends. Yes. uh, It just kind of peters out. Yeah. Yeah. As it should. And that's after last season. And this. God. God, what a movie. God, what a, what a, I, 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 uh, yeah, no, I don't know what to say. Yeah. There's just like these completely inexplicable moments of how, how did you accomplish something like that by accident? How did you do that by accident? Because like, that's good and that's interesting and that's you're keeping like, like this is a provocation and like where I get it, this is like a formal exploration and like the truth is it is none of these things it is an accident and like like, like <laughs> where i landed is let's say mark region is one of the most transgressive avant-garde <laughs> filmmakers in the world and he has made a movie that does break down the language of cinema to the point where it's like yeah, what is cinema aside from watching images, vague shapes on screen? Yeah, and lot, what is meaning is nothing, and like either way, I fucking hate it. 
I wish this like, on you. I wish you ill. <laughs> like, like this could be the mo the deepest treaties on filmmaking ever made. I still hate every minute of it. Like it, it's not enjoyable on any level, even artistically, even if I meet it 95% of the way, like it, it's just terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just like nothing but mistakes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I used to compare like the room to like someone falling upstairs. Like, they were getting where they were going, but they were fucking up every step of the way. This feels like someone rolling backwards for a mile. Like they slip on a banana peel and then they just keep rolling backwards for a mile. Like they had a goal and then they just got farther and farther away from it. Uh, but then, and then at the end of it, they're just kind of lying there staring into space. Yeah. John, is there anything else you would like to say about after last season? Uh, I don't think we have mischaracterized this movie. If you want a completely impenetrable experience, go watch after last season. You will come away swearing. Yeah. There's gotta be more. There's gotta be meaning there. And this like, is... there's nothing. No, it's it's insane. This was a baton death march. Um, John, thank you so much for joining me. It was great to have you on. We have a uh, episode with Billy, Billy and I, about UHF in the pipe. Uh, I don't know when that will get out. We saw Weird Al in concert recently. Emo I get that, that one will be fun. It, it, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to watch. And then immediately after we recorded the episode, we went to see Weird Al Live with Emo Phillips opening. So that's in the pipe. I don't know when that will get released. But next week, I will be talking with my friend, Elise, about the movie Cool World, the Ralph Bakshi, Brad Pitt, Jim Basinger movie, which I've never seen. So that's another apparently terrible movie I get to watch twice in a week. But uh, thank you, John. It was a fantastic time talking with you. Good evening, everybody. And uh, I wish you all the best, especially if you watch this movie. Bye-bye.